All right, so today's daf is Yud Gimel, and we're in the middle of figuring out the critical moment for when uh, you look at um, the, the development of the wheat or the fruit or the, uh, um, or the uh, uh, vegetables in order to determine um, which year they go by. The year is determined by the Rosh Hashanah, by the first of Tishrei, but, um, and that determines which year in the Shemitah cycle it is, whether you can take from one year on the next. But the question is, what stage of development are we looking at? So, to remind you, um, the, you know, by the vegetables, we taught a clear, bright, uh, that taught about picking vegetables before Rosh Hashanah and after Rosh Hashanah, um, and that it, the moment, the critical moment was when it was picked. In the Gemara, we turned it to, um, you know, let's just uh, read the one line, I won't reread the whole thing, but if you look back on your Bet Bet, about eight lines from the bottom, ten lines from the bottom, it says, Tnan Hassan, Hatiosan Mishatitzmach, this fenugreek from the time it sprouts, and and grain and olives when they are a third ripe. By the way, what does this mean, a third ripe? Um, I was checking the other day after this in this book by Yehoshua Felix, who people oh, might know is yeah, the yeah. one who did all the work on agriculture and uh, the animal life, flora and fauna in the time of the Mishnah. This is a book called which is agriculture in the land of Israel in the time of the Mishnah. It was a bestseller. So, <laughs> Amazon, top of the Amazon list. Anyway, uh, he says that Hivya Shlish um, means, I always thought it meant a third ripe. Anyway, he says it means that it is, its weight is a third of what its final weight will be, the weight of the grain, which is, makes it more quantifiable. Right. 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 So anyway... But even harder to do yeah. by your eyes. Exactly, because what are you going to do? Start chopping things down and right. So apparently you had a sense. Um, anyway, so so that goes. So that's a, a regular stat, uh, uh, measurement, which is from the time it's the third ripe. And the Gemara says by the titzmach by the fenugreek that it means titzmach lizraim, which also says means that it means that the seeds are can be planted and will sprout forth. And Tosa says that's the point of Hivya Shlish. Hivya Shlish means that the seeds have developed in the grain, but they are fit for being replanted. So that's important conceptually. Now, this idea of Havas Shlish um, dominates in a couple of areas, but I want to distinguish. I want to first say one thing, which is the case of this mission, which I'm going to bracket off and then focus up. There's one question, as you might remember, which is the question about when is the stuff obligated in Trumot and Masrot? And that has two points. Number one is, when can I go to the field? When is it even considered fruit, you know, or food? When can I go just eat it and it doesn't, it's not even high? Even if I took trumas and mysos, it wouldn't be effective. It's not yet at that, at that stage. That's the beginning period. And then there's the end period, which is gemar malacha, which is when it's finished being processing. Between the beginning and the end, I can snack from it, but I can't eat a, uh, uh, an achilas keva. After gemar malacha, I can't even snack from it. So, um, for example, the Gemar Malacha by the grain is you put it in a pile and you moved it into the house for Yes Abayas. The Gemar Malacha by the vegetables we learned the other day was that you bundled them up or you filled up the vessel. Okay, so that's in terms of its obligation, not the dating of it, which year, but when is it considered like fully obligated into its mysis. When does that period begin? Okay, and there the period, the period is Hava'ak Shlish. Not only by grain, but by everything. That was the Tosos I mentioned yesterday, that the beginning of the Mishnah Yosef and Ma'asrot talk about all these different stages. The, the, you know, the, um, the, the, uh, the grapes look like this, the olives look like this, these fruit look like that, this looks like that. So it says, what are all these different, th- what are all these different things? And so it says, all of those are applications of the principle of Havas Shlish and how it would look like in different types of fruits and vegetables. Okay, but that is the principle. Oh my gosh, what is all this? 
That is an idea of, and I want to bracket that off, okay? That's the idea of Chayav in Trumotu Masra. Chayav in Trumotu Masra, which starts at Havaat Shlish, okay? Before this time, prior to that, it's like nothing. Even if you were to take Trumas and Maestro, it wouldn't be effective. And it goes to Gemar Melacha. Okay? During the period from Havaat Shlish to Gemar Melacha, if you take it, it works, and you can snack from it. Okay? After Gemar Melacha, well, I don't know, I guess I grew up with this. After Gemar Melacha, you can't even snack. No snacking. Okay? So Gemar Melacha would be something like, you know, uh, making it into a mound and bringing it into the house. Like the Yetzneh or by the vegetables, bundling the vegetables after you pick them, etc. That's when you can't even snack. And Havas Shlish, that's the beginning of the Mishnayot in, in, in Ma'asrot that talk about all, sort of all the different signs of it in the, for different fruits and vegetables. But everything, fruits, vegetables, grains, everything goes by Havas Shlish for this issue of Chiyuv and Trumot and Ma'asrot. Okay, so I said all of that. Is that pretty clear? That's to bracket it, because that's not what we're going to be discussing, but it's confusing, so I wanted you to understand that's issue number one. Issue number two, which is what we're going to be discussing, is the question not of when is it hiding too much in Masra, but what year do you go by? What year? Right? For things like Shemitah, Meister Shani, Meister Ani, right? Those, all the issues we've been talking about, what year do you go by? Okay, which year of the cycle is it? And taking from one year on the next, taking, you know, from Chadash al Hayashan, on Yashan, etc. What year is the stuff part, right? What year does it go by? Yes, that's clear. That's a different question. Okay, that, it's defined by Rosh Hashanah, right? One Tishrei. But what event is relevant? And here, it's not like here that everything is of us. Here it matters. What event is relevant? So for Yerek, we see the event is, is, is Likut, I guess. You know, it's picking the vegetables. Okay? By Tivuah, it is Havaat Shlish. Okay? A third. Okay, uh, whatever. A third of the weight. Okay? By fruit, we're going to see, by Tirot, we're going to see that it is going to be Chanata. Blasphemy. Okay, and we're going to see yeah. a little bit later that there's going to be a question of kitniyot. Okay, I'll, I'll leave kitniyot in a minute. That's going to be the amudbet of today's talk. Wait, can, can, Rabbi, then just take Tavuah for a minute with Rabbi Ashalish. Right. What if it is planted and is growing in one year, but doesn't reach Shlish until the next year? So it goes by the year in which it reaches a Shlish. That is exactly the point of this. You look at when this moment occurred, when, did, when this moment occurred, what year did it occur in? And that will determine, ah, that is exactly okay. my point, okay? okay? Good, 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 it's Chayuv at this point, whatever. But when I want to know which year is it in the Shemitah so cycle. Here, here are the symptoms, and then this is the timing when did that symptom indicating its status emerge. This is a different area of halacha. This is not the question of what year it's part of. This is just the question of what when can I take when can I take trumas and mice? Okay, and that goes by shlish for everything. Everything goes by shlish when it's, when I can take trumas and mice from it. 
Okay? That is not the question of what year. That's why this is confusing. Yeah. This is yeah. the question of, is it enough developed as a fruit that Trumas and Mises is meaningful? And then what okay. year this is, what year is it part of? Is it part of the first year of the Shemitah cycle, the second year of the Shemitah cycle? Is, is it a Shemitah year? Is it, if it's this year, I can't take it on another year. Okay? So this goes by different symptoms for the different things. You know what confused me then also? Well, the the only thing thing doesn't, doesn't Maser also have to go by the year? Yes. So it's not just the Shemitah. In other words, that on the left-hand side of the board is what's the condition of the fruit. Right? No. 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 It is. But here, the condition is always the same. A third. It's, I'm asking a different question. In this case, I'm asking a question of Rabbi Windsor, if I go out to my field and the fruit is super unripe and I take Trumas and Maestras early, does it work? And my answer is no. If it was less than a third unripe, it won't work. Rabbi Windsor, am I allowed to go to my field and to eat my unripe fruit and have a snack? Oh, yes. Can I eat my unripe fruit and have a meal out of it? No. If it's, com- if it's a shleesh, no. If it's less than a shleesh, yes. That's answering those questions of is it developed enough so that it's obligated in Trumas and Mises. This is answering the question, Rabbi Windsor, is this a Shemitah apple or a year one apple? Should I take this apple on an apple I picked two months ago or not? So my question is, well, if it's a fruit, I'll ask you, when did it blossom? Before or after Rosh Hashanah? If it's a vegetable, I'll say, when did you pick it? Before or after Rosh Hashanah, right? If it's grain, I'll say, was it a third developed before or after Rosh Hashanah? So this is a different question. This is a question of which year is it part of? All right? So that's why it's confusing. People, so maybe I shouldn't have mentioned this at all, but I just want, but uh, I just felt like, you know, for your edification, there's another area of halacha in which everything is a shleesh. Oh, gosh. I hope that comes off. Anyway, but in terms of what we're focusing on, we're focusing on what year is the stuff relevant for, and there there are different symptoms or different stages based on what type of fruit we're dealing with. Okay? Yes, pretty much? All right, let's move on. Now, where do we leave off? We left off that one, the question is, where do you get this idea of a shlish? And one of the proofs was, or the last proof we left off was, was that the Torah describes uh, Sukkot at the end of the seventh year. It says, it says that it's, it's a Sukkot. You know what, let's just read it. All right, so the Gemara says like this. Um, so, Minani Mili, let's pick up from there and you bet on his back. Eight lines from the bottom. A little rereading, but whatever. We need for context. So where do you know that the third is significant by grain, at least, for determining which year it's part of? So he says, the verse says, So in the se- end of seventh year, on Shemitah, on the Chag of Sukkot, but at the end of seventh year. So the Gemara says, Shemitah Why are you calling it a Shemitah year? It's at the as after seven years. The Chag of Sukkot Shemitah. By the eighth year, it's already Sukkot. So El Olomar Lachot tell you, Kol Tuvash Yivia Shlish B'Shviit Lishnei Rosh Hashanah. If it was a third before developed before Rosh Hashanah, Noheg Ba Minak Shviit B'Shminit, it will still have the status of the Shemitah year even in the eighth year. So to show you, it calls the uh, the following year the Shemitah year because there are some laws of Shemitah that still apply on grain that grew before Rosh Hashanah. So the question is, okay, that tells you that it could have started growing before and have that sanctity, but it doesn't tell you that the key point is having grown a third. That's still not answered. 
So the Gemara says, Amalei Reb Zeir Levasi, so Reb Zeir said to Levasi, First of all, maybe it's not talking about the sanctity of the fruit. Maybe it's just saying that even if nothing grew before Rosh Hashanah, the laws of Shemitah go into the eighth year. You know, maybe the idea of like Mosifim Micholel HaKodesh, don't work the land, don't do whatever until Sukkot. So no, that doesn't make sense. And the, uh, this is in Shemot, the, 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 the festival of gathering at the end of the year. My Asif, what does it mean by gathering? Asifa, a festival that comes at the time of the gathering, like you would think, of the stuff, you know, bringing it back in after it's been drying out in the field. Haksiv, the end of the verse says, Okay, so it says when you gather in. So why does it have to say Asif at the beginning? Elamai Asif, what does Asif mean here? Katsir. It doesn't mean gathering in, it actually means harvesting, which is pretty funny because you don't harvest grain um, on Sukkot time. Actually, I was reading in Felix, you know, the things you do harvest in Sukkot time are things like the legumes, but you do not harvest grain. But anyway, okay, so it means, Asif can also mean harvesting. So, you see, you're going to harvest on Sukkot time. The king Lehul Rabbanan, and the rabbis have it established, the Chol Tzvua Shenik Tzor Bechag, if you're going to harvest it on Sukkot, B'yaduah Sheviyah Shlish Lifnei Rosh Hashanah. It was a third developed before Rosh Hashanah. So therefore, V'Kakari Lei Betzeit Hashanah, and it's called at the end of the year, which means that it is still connected to the previous year. So based on this verb of V'Chag Asif Betzeit Hashanah, what we are learning out is, you're going to harvest something on Sukkot, and it's still considered to be connected to the previous year if you're harvesting it on Sukkot it must mean it was a third developed the previous year so something that was a third developed that is connected to the previous year the year that is the year in which it's part of so if the year before was a Shemitah and it was a third developed it has the sanctity of Shemitah there's so no that's late, how we get a third there's no late in Israel not really which is why the Omer was you know, it's not an, it's not onerous to wait for the Omer because it's really only the spring wheat. I don't know. There might have been a small wheat cro- uh, winter crop. Anyway, okay. So that's the proof. The proof is that by Sukkot, we're saying that the stuff you harvest is connected to the previous year. And if you're harvesting it on Sukkot, it must have developed a third in the previous year. So Amalei Reb Yirmiyah Reb Zeira. So Reb Yirmiyah said to Reb Zeira, "The Kinu Rabbanan Ben Shlish Lepachas Mishlish." I don't get it. So the rabbis really know, could figure out the difference between a third and less than a third, which could either mean like, what, "How could you make such a? Why does a little bit of a difference make a difference?" Although that would be funny. That could be a question you could ask anywhere. It sounds more like, "How can you um, extrapolate? You know, and know? Oh, if, if you harvested it on uh, on Sukkot, it must have been a third by Rosh Hashanah. What? Like, you know, you, you can determine that with such." Precision, like you know, how do you, how, how can you be so precise? So Amalei, he said, Lava, haven't I told you before? Don't take yourself out of the halachic system. Like you know, don't sort of ask undermining questions. This is the whole way the rabbis work with their with their you know uh, measurements. With forty saw, you go to the mikvah. But our barin saw chaser korta forty saw minus a thumbnail. So says even minus a drop. Ain't no yacholitzvo. It's not a good size of a mikvah. Then kevetsa mitame tumot ochlim. The size of an egg is the tumor of food stuff. It has to be the size of an egg. Kevetsa chaser shum shum. The size of an egg minus a sesame seed. Ain't no mitame tumot ochlim. It would not. Shlosha shlosha mitame bidras. Three by three tfachim is considered a piece of cloth that's 
it for sitting on, for the tumor of sitting. Um, if you remove one string, it's not. Now, how is that relevant? That just tells us, okay, there's got to be a cutoff point. But presumably the relevance is that all of these are based on assessing certain realities of the world. For example, why do we, how do you get 40 sa'ah for a mikvah? We say 40 sa'ah is the amount of water that a person, like it takes for a person to cover himself in if you go, you know, uh, that, that covers the entire body. Like, so I could say, what do you mean? Have you measured every single person in the universe? Do you know the exact 40 sa'ah? You know, maybe if you did a scientific study, you'd find that it would be 39.8 sa'ah. Okay, you know what? We take an average and we figure out what it is, and that becomes the halacha, even if we're not, we can't be like per- perfectly scientifically precise. How about the idea of a beta? That's based on the idea of the amount of food that sits in a person's gullet. To say, what? You know it's exactly a beta? Have you measured? Have you, you know, da da da? Okay, you know what? We estimate, we do an average, and we do the best we can, and then that becomes the size. Okay, and the same by all of these. So the point is, start giving stuff with me a hard time. This is how, this is how sizes work in all of halacha. We have an estimate of what that equ- is equivalent to in the real world, and then that becomes formalized. So yes, a shlish becomes formalized. That's the amount we assume it has to be in order to be able to be harvested by Sukkot. Okay, so that's one answer. Based on what can be harvested by Sukkot, based on a read of the verse, we retroactively assume it has to have been a third before Rosh Hashanah. Now the Gemara goes on. Then Reb Yirmiya said, You know what? The, the problem I was having with can it really be a third? How do you really precisely know? Forget the question. It wasn't a good question. Because there's another basis to say, because I, I, there's other evidence to prove that the rabbis really can figure out more or less than a third. What's that evidence? The colleagues asked Rav Kahana the following question. When B'nai Israel went into Eretz Yisrael at the time of Yoshua, they brought an Omer. Okay? It's, uh, now, where did they bring it from? What grain did they use to bring the Omer? They came in, as we'll see, on the 10th of Nisan. They brought the Omer six days later. Okay? How could they use the grain that was already standing when they entered in to bring the Omer? Why not? Let's take a look. In Tomer de Ayo Nachri, it was grown by the non-Jews. They entered in and it was stuff that had been grown and was growing before they entered in. Ketir Chemam Ketir Nachri. Only stuff harvested by you. Not stuff harvested by the non-Jews. Okay, so we're going to get to that. So, the Gemara, so, okay, so therefore we've got a problem. Now before we get to the answer, the Gemara interjects. I I want to question the premise of your question. You're assuming they brought the Omer. Who tells you they brought the Omer the first year? Someone says, no. It doesn't make sense to say they did not bring the Omer. Because the verse says, Okay, they ate from the grain of the land from the day after Pesach, you know, the, the grain. So, the implication of the verse is they ate the day after Pesach. Beforehand, they didn't eat from the grain of the land. So why would there be a difference if they ate from the grain before or after Pesach? What is the obvious difference? So what would allow them to eat from the grain after Pesach? Why would that be a key moment? Omer, because they brought the Omer, which you bring on Mimacharasa Pesach, the Hadar Achli, and then they were allowed to eat the new grain. So clearly the verse indicates that they, if they were only eating the grain after Mimacharasa Pesach, it must be because they brought the Omer. Now, yeah, okay, fine, but that's 
true in the Pesukim. But all right. Anyway, but the emphasis of Mimachras HaPesach seems to indicate that. Now, of course, there are some questions with this assumption. Um, number one is, well, first of all, Michael says maybe it was just uh, her circumstantial, maybe just the man ran out. But number two is also, you know, the Gemara says when you don't have a, uh, if you don't bring the Omer, it becomes Mutter anyway, either at the beginning of the day or the end of the day. So maybe they didn't bring the Omer in anyway, it just became Mutter when the day ran out. So that's another question. But the third question, which is, I, I think, the, uh, a really fascinating one, is one that Tosis raises. Well, okay, before I get to the third question, let me also point out, you know, there was a whole debate with the um, Samaritans. What does it mean when the Torah says, Merachatai Shabbat? Does it mean, you know, when you bring the Omer? Does it mean the day after the first day of Yantiv, or does it mean the day after the first Shabbos after Yantiv? So the interesting thing is in some re- and the Gemara tries to prove how it means after the first after the first day of Yantiv, but what the Gemara never says, but some of the Rishonim say, uh, Rambam I believe says the best evidence is from this pasuk in Yehoshua. It says they ate from the grain on the day after Pesach. Then they mimachas Shabbat. It says mimachas Pesach. So you see, it was the day after Pesach that that was significant because obviously that's what the Torah means. It means you bring the Omer the day after the first day of Yantif. So it's interesting to note that this Pasuk, which we're saying reflects the bringing of the Omer, then becomes part of that evidence that the Omer is brought the day after the first day of Pesach. No, then becomes an interesting question, which is, what really does the word Pesach mean? And if you take a look at Tosos, it's always fascinating when Tosos quotes on like the Svarti world. So every now and then, like you can count on the fingers of one hand the number of times Tosos quotes the Rambam. Here might be the only time that Tosos quotes from the Ibn Ezra. So you take a look. The Akrivu Omer of Ahadar Echol. Here's what Tosos says. He says, Hitcher of Avraham Ibn Ezra. <laughs> it's like he was one of the Baliyatosos. He was like part of their base madras. He was a Sephardi. He was uh, the world of Parshanut HaMikra. You know, he never dealt with Parshanut HaGemara. Um, same generation, I think. Wait, it was, what did you ask? Well, how much before Tosos? Tosos was 13th century. Yeah, no, Eben Ezra was 11th. 11th, not 12th? 12th. I think it's 12th. Yeah. 12, yeah. So anyway, but it means that somewhere in the Ibn Ezra's writings, he raises this problem, okay? He doesn't mean that he, he asked the question to the other Baliyatosos. Well, he had the manuscript. Right. Had the manuscript. Right. So anyway, Hitcher Avram Ibn Ezra, what's the day after Pesach? Pesach in the Torah doesn't mean the Yantav. Pesach in the Torah means the day of the bringing of the Korb of Pesach. The holiday in the Torah is called, not Pesach, but Chagamatzos. So Machas HaPesach is the first day of Yantav. It's not the first day of Cholomoed. Right? It's the day after the bringing of the Pesach. So he goes through with different types of answers. He says maybe it could also mean the day after, of, after the eating of the Pesach. So maybe Pesach can also refer to the first day of Yantav because it, it could mean the, the, um, the next day. Yeah, but halakhically... Right. Yeah, no, you do because it's halakhically the next day. So, anyway... So, anyway, but I wanted to point out that interesting thing. On the one hand, this Pesach is used as evidence of that you bring the Omer on the first day of Cholomoe. And on the other hand, it really hinges on how you interpret the word Pesach, which, you know, makes it all, you know, throws it all into question. But the Gemara is clearly reading the word Pesach as the 15th of Nisan. So, Machzach Pesach is the 16th, and therefore that's when the Omer was brought, and that shows they brought the Omer, and that's what allowed them to eat from the new grain. Yeah, go. Two technical questions. One is, is bringing the Omer Mater eating of wheat or only barley? No, wheat. Everything. All grain. All of the chameshas meaning. Okay, right. Good. And technically, the word Rachmana, we see this all the time, 
people always translate it as the Torah says. Yeah. But he means God. Right, right. Right. It's interesting sometimes if you read the Rambam in Perish Hamishnayas before he quotes a Pasuk, he says, Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And then he quotes the Pasuk. Right, right, right. right. The when you want to say scripture, it says HaKatuv. Right, so it is true. Technically, he means God says. Okay. The Omer was barley, but it's the bringing of the Omer allowed you to eat from all the grains. All, right. all, okay. all right. So now the Gemara says, okay, so they brought the Omer. Where did they bring it from? If it was grown and it was harvested by the non-Jews, it would not have been good to use for the Omer. So back to the Gemara. So the Gemara says, um, so, so Mehechan Hikrivu, so Amr Lahan, so he, so this is what Rebbe, uh, whose was it, colleagues asked him, uh, Rebbe, Rav colleagues asked him. So Amr Lahan, so Rav Kahana said back to them, um, No, what defines it as being non-Jewish harvest versus Jewish harvest? It is this critical moment of a third developed. It was a third developed when it's in the possession of the non-Jew, then it's non-Jewish, then it has identified as non-Jewish harvest, non-Jewish grain. If it got a third developed in the possession of a Jew, then it's identified as Jewish grain. So they came into the land, the grain was less than the third developed, or some grain was, they took possession of it, and then it was, when it got to be a third developed, it was identified as Jewish grain. Okay, so again, a third developed being critical for its identity, and what years it related to, what, you know, what type of of uh, ownership is it related to and so on so that's his answer okay so now it says so this is all quoted for Reb Yirmiya to come to terms with the fact that the rabbis could determine the difference between the third and less than the third oh, so now Reb Yirmiya says so that he says I know this whole discussion with Rav Kahana so how did that how, how is that possible that they went into Eretz Yisrael and they said oh look here this grain is less than a third developed we'll use this for the Omer because it will grow under our possession how did they know whether it was a third developed or not Ella Kimlu. It must be. They were able to determine whether it was a third developed. Hokanami Kimlu. Here too they can determine it. Okay, so that, by the way, sounds like his real question was just how can you identify whether it has satisfied the criteria or not? The criterion, right? It doesn't sound like how did you come up with the criterion, which seemed to be the question. The question seems to be how do you know if you satisfied the criterion? And he says, look, according to Rav Gahana, when B'nai Yisrael went in the time of Yoshua, they were able to identify whether it was a third developed or not. So it must be we can satisfy. Okay, now that is not a source for the idea of a third developed. That assertion about the Omer assumes we already know the principle of a third developed, and it's applying it to that story of the Omer. So right now, what do we have? We have that we learned out the idea of a third developed from the idea of things that you harvest in Sukkot were third developed before Rosh Hashanah, based on the Pasuk of Sukkot, and we have an application of the idea of a third developed to the story of the Omer and determining whether it was Jewish grain or not Jewish grain. So we're going to finish the story of the Omer and then get back to the proof of, or, or how do you determine the idea of a third developed. Let's get back to the story of the Omer. So it says like this. Um, how do you know let's go back to the Omer story where do you get this idea that it was under a third developed and that therefore it shows that they were able to determine less than a third and more than a third maybe when they came into Eretz Yisrael there was some grain that had not begun to sprout at all and that it totally sprouted completely under Jewish possession 
but maybe if it's a quarter developed, maybe you can't determine, maybe it's not possible to ascertain whether it's a third or a quarter developed. That you would not be able to do. So it's, you can't prove from there that people are able to ascertain that. Maybe the reality at the time of when they entered Eretz Yisrael was that it hadn't sprouted at all and it totally sprouted under their possession. Um, so, where are we? That doesn't make sense, that it hadn't sprouted at all. Um, the verse says, They went up from the Jordan at the tenth of the month. So they entered into the land only at the tenth. And they're eating from this grain, right, on the, you know, on the 16th. If when the time they entered into the land, it hadn't begun to sprout at all, how could it go from nothing to being fit to be harvested in five days? So it couldn't be that it hadn't developed at all. So it must have started to develop. It was less than a third, and it finished developing in the next five days. But because it started to develop, it's evidence that you can ascertain whether something is more or less than a third, because it's already started to develop. So the mother says, I don't understand how you solved anything. Elamai. So what do you want to say? Da'aya riva odanka? That it was a quarter or a sixth? That's what odanka means. A sixth developed? So you say, oh, it had to have started, or else it couldn't have finished in five days. So, okay, good. It started. It was a quarter. Same question. How does it go from being a quarter ripe to being fully ripe in five days? You haven't solved the problem. Okay? It's still, you know, you, you, you got to get it to do a lot of growing in a few days. What would your response be to me if you said it was under a third and it finished developing in five days and they harvested it? And I said, how could it grow so much in five days? What would you say back to me? You'd say, How is the land of Israel defined? As the land of a deer. Now, Tzvi here means, deer meaning, the, it, it, which is, a, it, it's alluding to a famous Midrash. If you look at Rashi, five lines before the lines get wide, Rashi says, Eretz Tzvi, Matzvi Tzvi kabra glav mikol hachayot, the same way a deer is very swift, af Eretz Yisrael kalu levashel peyotea mikol haaratzot. So the land of Israel, like the fruit ripens quicker than all other land. So the magical powers of Israel made it ripen in five days, from a quarter to complete. So that would be how you would explain how it finished developing in five days. So if that's what you're going to say, from a quarter to complete, so I'll say the same thing. I'll say it didn't begin growing at all. And it went from zero to a full in five days. Okay? So we leave that unresolved. Meaning, again, what have we said? We've said, how do you know the idea that a third is a significant criteria? Because it says, Chag Ha'asiv, which is on the 15th of Nisan, of Tishrei, which means here you are harvesting. That's how we're reading the word Asif. And if that's your harvesting and it connects to the previous year, and here's Rosh Hashanah, then we're saying before Rosh Hashanah, it must have been a third. Okay? That's how we got the idea of a third. So since you harvested it here and it's connected to the previous year and, it, and we say it must have been a third, you see once it's a third developed, that determines the year it's connected to. That's our source for the criteria of a third. This current discussion of going into the land of Israel and bringing the Omer, yeah, we'll make a fist and we'll have your, yeah, you're, you're harvesting your Omer, okay? So <laughs> it says that what's that relevant for? That's relevant not for the proving the criteria, but whether they can determine the criteria. They entered in on the 10th, they brought the Omer on the 15th, 
it had to have grown under the, uh, not the 15th, on the 16th, it had to have grown under the auspices of a Jew in order to be usable for the Omer, which means that, assuming we know the criteria of a third, it means that it became that third which determines its identity under the, under the auspices of a Jew. So when the Jews are going in here, I'll give them tifas, okay? So, <laughs> so when the Jews are coming into the land of Israel, they are finding, right, they are finding grain that is a quarter done, less than a third, and then it is going to be, it gets to be a third under their possession, so it's Jewish grain, so it could be used for the Omer. That's what we're saying. And you say, ah! So they're able to look at the grain and see that a difference between more or less than a third. You see, you can apply the criteria. Right? And that's the, so the discussion here was, can you apply the criteria? They had to apply the criteria to identify this as grain that was less than a third. And the right answer is, no, maybe the grain hadn't grown at all, and they didn't apply the criteria, and the entire grain grew from zero to full uh, during this period. And even though that's magical, the whole thing is magical anyway, so we might as well make it more magical. Okay? So this was a discussion of, can you apply the criteria? And the answer was, not necessarily, because maybe, they, maybe it hadn't grown at all, rather than saying it had grown a little and they were able to apply the criteria. Now we go back to this discussion of where do we know the idea of a third from. Okay, so let's take a look. Um, all right, Maskis were Rabbi Chanina. So Rabbi Chanina asked, Mimatis Amris, back to the idea of the criteria of this as the source for a third. Mimatis Amris, how can you say the high asif katsirhu that the word asif means harvesting? The haksi, the verse says, the astachami garnachami ikvecha. When you gather in for, to your granaries and your wine vats, so obviously asif means gather, because you're gathering it in and you're turning it into wine. The Amar Mar, and with the Master teaches, that's teaching you also what you make a sukkah out of. You make a sukkah out of the remnants of the uh, granary and of the wine vats. Like you can use the vines and that type of stuff to make a sukkah. And if you remember when we learned Sukkot, that is the source that sukkah has to be made, the schach has to be made from stuff that grows from the ground and that is not makabel tumah because it says you use the leftover stuff from the granaries and the wine vests. Now, okay, all that is very wonderful, but what did you prove? Other than basically saying the idea that, um, that, uh, that the word asif in the simple sense means gathering in and not harvesting, how have you challenged this interpretation? So Rashi says the way he challenged it was the following. If we learn from the word asif, asbecha, the issue about what the chach is made out of, then the phrase chach asif, if the word asif tells us what you make the schach out of, then chag ha'asif can actually is another word for chag ha-sukot. Right? Do you understand? Meaning, if asif becomes the, the, um, the, 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 the key term, the technical word to indicate what you make schach out of based on this drasha, then chag ha'asif is just a way of saying chag ha-sukot. And therefore, your idea that the word asif is extra and doesn't mean gathering, it means harvesting and you do the whole thing, nah, asif just means sukkot. And therefore, you don't have your whole drasha. Okay. Besides, it obviously wasn't pshat. So the Gemara says like this, Amar Rabbi Zeira, so we've undone this proof of a, of a third based on Asif as harvesting. 
So says Rabbi Zera, oh, we had this thing in our hand, we had this great Russia to learn out the idea of a third. Um, Rabbi Hanina came along and threw a hammer in it. Okay, he threw a wrench in the works, he had a great Russia and he destroyed it. Alright, now I need to say a comment about this. Because that obviously is a very like graphic image. We had this great thing, and somebody came and threw a hammer in it, and it only occurs very rarely in Shas. And you know the other place it occurs in Shas? It occurs in Sukkot on the Dat Russia of Chag of the Tzolas Goren Viyekev of Medaber. That when the Gemara in Sukkot learns out from this pasuk of Chag Asif the idea of that you can make sukkahs from the leftover stuff from the uh, your wine vat and so on, the Gemara says, well, how do you know it doesn't mean that you can make the schach from the actual fruit itself? How do you know, which is makabal tumah? How do you know it means the leftover stuff? So it says, no, 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 because it says wine. You can't make, a, you can't make schach out of wine. So then comes along Rabbi Hanina and says, well, maybe it was frozen wine. <laughs> and then you couldn't make schach out of it. So he says, oh, we had such a good drasha, and came Rabbi Hanina and he threw a hammer in it. So it's quite fascinating that this idea of we had a good drasha from this pasuk and somebody came into a hammer, you know, maybe there was a question exactly what the drasha was and what the hammer was. Because <laughs> it's used in one Gemara about a drasha about schach, and it's used in this Gemara about a drasha about the idea of a third. Okay? But where are we? We're at the idea that we have this drush of a third based on meaning that this harvesting, teaching us a third before the Shana. Now we've completely thrown a hammer at it and we lost that drusha. So we're back to the question of where do we know the idea of a third? Okay, so um so where do we know it from? Kiritanya, like we told the Bryce of Rabbionasan ben Yosef Omer. This is by the idea that there'll be a jubilee year and you're gonna say, How can I eat? You know, I can't harvest for two years. What am I going to do? There's a Shemitah year and a Jubilee year. And the Torah says, no, God will send the bracha and the, the year before will be very, very plentiful and it will make three years worth of grain. So we're going to do a drasha on that phrase. It'll make the Tvua for a third, meaning once it is a Shlish, it is Asu. It is Asui. It is complete. So you get the drasha. Forget this complicated thing about it has to have been fit to harvest, blah, blah, blah. The drasha is not related to the plan of the Pasuk at all. The asas et Lishlosh. Lishlosh becomes lishlish, a third. And it is finished. The Troy is considered complete once it is a shalish. It is done. And therefore we get the idea that a third for grain determines when it is done. So the Gemara says, What do you mean? We need that supposed to tell me the simple pshat that God is giving the blessing and the blessing is that the grain will last for three years or during the Shemitah and the Ovel. Forget your drasha. How about pshat? So the Gemara says, No. Ksiv Krachrina, the other verse tells you pshat. It says, you'll plant, you know, the eighth year, and while you're waiting for the stuff to grow, you know, the, uh, you'll still be eating from the stuff from the previous years. Oh, actually, I might have misquoted it. It might be that's not a jubilee year. It might just be a normal sneaky year. Because you still need it for three years. You need it for the year it grew in. You need it for the Shemitah year. And you need it for the year that you're waiting to harvest the stuff in the post-Shemitah year. Okay, but anyway, um, the point is, is that the Pazak already says explicitly that God will give a blessing so you'll be able to survive on the old grain even after the Shemitah. So what's the, why does it have to repeat for three years? To tell you this drusha of a third. Alright, so let's take a breath.
Okay, so what we're up to now, am I losing everybody or people? Okay, you with me? Okay. So what we're up to now is the idea that by grain, it goes by a third to determine which year it's connected to. Um, we've also seen, by the way, to determine whether it's considered Jewish wheat or not Jewish wheat, it goes by a third. And finally, the drusha we settle on is a simple, not pshat drusha, but a simple drusha of lishlosh, Need lishlosh to mean lishlish. And once it's a third done, it's considered grain, and that's our idea that grain is a third. Now what we're going to do, now that we're done with the drusha, is turn to this part of the board and understand, okay, we got the grain as a third. Where do you get all these other, you know, what's the other, I think, for the other types of things? Vegetables by picking, fruit is by blossoming, kitten yes, we're going to get to. We're going to talk about the different stages for the different types of vegetables. So let's take a look. The Gemara says like this. Tznan Hasam, we taught over there. So these are different types of legumes. Rice and, I don't know what dochen is, millet and paragreen, I don't know what that is. Shumshamin is sesame. What, oh, poppy? Poppy was the afternoon. Peregrine. No, peregrine. Poppy. Oh, poppy. Okay, that's what David said. Okay, poppy and sesame. If they took root before Rosh Hashanah, meet Ashin Shavar. They go by the previous year. Um, uh, if the previous year was year six and the coming year is year seven, if they took root, then they're not Shemitah, even if they continue to grow during the Shemitah year. Uh, if they took root after Rosh Hashanah, then if it was coming into a Shemitah year, then they would be Shemitah produce, and they'd have the restrictions of Shemitah produce. And if it weren't a Shemitah year, because on Shemitah years you don't take Maser, if it was a different year, then the Meister would be following the following year, not the previous year. So again, this tells us Rosh Hashanah is the determinant for which year it's part of, but what does it tell us is the key moment for the Kitneos? Hashrasha. Okay, now, that's a little bit bizarre, right? Because all of these are stages of development. You know, Shlish is a certain development. Blossoming, okay, it's starting to come forth, right? Um, although it's probably less than a Shlish. Okay, this is completely done, but why this is like it's just getting started. So why does this go by Hashrasha? It doesn't, it's not similar at all to those other stages. And that's what the Gemara is going to ask. So let's take a look. I'm a rabba, so said rabba, and here's a nice little summary. Elon The rabbis say a, fr- a tree goes by when it blossoms. shlish. Grain and olives go by a third. Okay, uh, that's we've been t- focusing on that part. Yerek lakita. These are the moments that matter. A vegetable goes when it's picked. Honey, these things, these legumes and seeds. Um, which category is it like? It's not like any of those. Now, okay, well, where's this idea coming up from Shrusha? And what's it similar to? So, Amar Rabba, so said Rabba, Mitosh Asuyin, um, so Rabba answered his own question, Prachin Prachin, because it's made in like, like, you know, picked at various times. Rashi says Prachin is a word used by legumes because it means like to, uh, re- well, like you're constantly, oh, uh, maybe, but Rashi, okay, endless. that's interesting. The Rashi doesn't say that. Rashi says it means because you like crack open the shells of it, like, you know, the pods. But anyway, but it means you're caught, you pick them on an ongoing, continuous basis. So therefore, as we were born in Basar Hashrasha, the rabbis went by taking root. What does it mean? It means, if you had to say, forget the stage, what are legumes most like? If you had to put them in a category, we've divided the world into grain, fruit, and vegetables. Which category would you put legumes into? Grain. 
Really? Because they like seeds. Oh, they're interesting. Like kernels. Okay, I would have put them into vegetables because I think peas, I think vegetables. Anyway. Yeah, rice is okay. another Rice, that's kernels. true. All right, that's true. But anyway, the way Rashi says it is, you would have logically, this is what Rashi says, put, concerning them a type of a vegetable. But if it's a vegetable, it should be determined by when you pick it. The problem is if you're kicking it on an ongoing basis, there's going to be, in any normal circumstance, a mixture of stuff from before Rosh Hashanah and after Rosh Hashanah, right? It's not like it occurs like in one fell swoop where either I picked all, I, I, you know, I took all the vegetables in from my garden before Rosh Hashanah, you know, or, I, or all the trees all blossomed either before or after Rosh Hashanah. Here, because it's over a long period of time and an ongoing basis, if we went by when you picked it, it would be a whole mix of, of old and new stuff and it would be very confusing in terms of Trumas and Maestros. So therefore, the rabbis decided to make it easy for you and they said when it took root because you plant it at the same time. So it all takes root at roughly the same time even though you pick it over a long period of time. So is that clear? The reason is we want it to not be confusing in a big mixture of pre and post Rosh Hashanah so we're going to pick a moment that maybe it's all done at once. So for legumes, the picking is over a long period of time, but the planting all happens at once. That's the answer. Now, I want to stop for a moment and say the point that Rashi makes, which is, okay, because it's more convenient to go by Hashrasha, we pick it because it's more convenient? I mean, who gives you that latitude? Shouldn't it go by a certain logical period of development? Right? You understand? You understand? The point is, oh, it's convenient to go by Hashrasha because it's all the same time. Who cares about convenient? I mean, shouldn't you have to follow a rule? So Rashi says, no, because legumes is all rabbinic. And since it's all rabbinic, we can do whatever we want. Okay? So, um, so basically, we have this goes by taking root, because that's all at the same time, and this is all rabbinic. This goes by shmish, we focus on it. Now, I do, by the way, want to point out, again, this issue about what's rabbinic and what's biblical. So Yerek, and why is there a difference between these, which is not going to be discussed right now, but just to help clarify this. So Yerek is rabbinic, that we know. Kidneyos is rabbinic. So number one that it means is, we have the latitude to figure out, you don't have to ask what is the puzzle for it, right? We can do whatever we want, we're the rabbis, you know, we're making this up. So we don't need a puzzle. Now, what's the logic? So the logic for this is, we want it all to be at the same time. We want to pick a moment where, it's the, where things are done together um, and not things that happen over a long period of time. Otherwise, there's nothing distinguishable between yeah. them over the season. Right. What's the logic of here going by the picking, the time of picking, not an earlier stage like we go by fruit and grain? So Rashi says, I mean, the Gemara will say that the logic here is, is because it is constantly growing. And therefore, even like right before you picked it, it's constantly growing, so it's not like it's primary related to a previous year. It's always related to the year in which you picked it, because it's constantly growing. Right, then it just gets bigger. Right, exactly. Just gets bigger. Nice way of saying it. Okay, now, then, so that's why that is. Okay, now, why is, those are rabbinic. This grain is biblical, okay, and that's why we have the Pasuk over here about a shalish. Right? That's why you focused up here about the shalish. We wanted a pasta. The question again is the issue of fruit. Is fruit biblical or rabbinic? Remember I told you that debate the other day. If it's biblical, then there's a real question of why the Gemara doesn't try to find a verse for the fruit. Right? It found a verse for this. Why didn't they try to find a verse for the fruit? Where do you get blossoming? If it's rabbinic, we don't need the verse. 
Now, the logic of blossoming is also the logic of, like, the, when the sap goes in the tree and when the sap is running, the year in which it begins to blossom, it's continuing, that's all of the nutrients in which it's continuing to grow from, that's the year it's connected to. That's the logic. Okay, but the question is, what's the source? You know, it's easier to say it's rabbinic and we don't need a source because this is the only one the Gemara quoted a source for. Okay, so these are the basic divisions, whether they're biblical or rabbinic and what the logic is. Let's go back now to the Gemara. So that would be right? Yes, and that's also going to be, right, all of these are Rosh Hashanah, thank you. I put Rosh Hashanah up here, but we're going to have to look at fruit differently as well because the sides going... The sides going by blossoming and not having a pasuk Okay, so here we don't know. Is it biblical or rabbinic? We don't know. Okay, but also this is the one thing that's going to be to be shvat as the key moment well, and not Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're going to get up to that. Okay? All right. Is this confusing enough? Back to the Gemara. Okay, Amalia Abaye. So Abaye said, I don't get, just because you want things to be convenient, that you're going to make it by Hashrasha. Why would it be such a bad thing, even if there was a big mix of stuff that was, you know, picked before and after Rosh Hashanah? There's an easy solution. What's the easy solution? The Yitzbor Gornol is Hocho. Just pile up the threshing floor into its middle. Meaning, take all the stuff, you're harvesting it and you're throwing it into your warehouse or threshing floor, and now you've got a mix of old stuff and new stuff when it was picked. Vice says, I got a solution for you. Make a huge pile, mix it all together, and what's going to happen when you mix it all together? Take trumas and mices from the pile that it's mixed. So any random 10% that you take is going to have an equal distribution of old and new, right? So if you've got here your pile of kidneys that were picked before and after Rosh Hashanah, and it's 40% old, right, and 60% new, but it's a good mix, and you go ahead and you take your miser, okay, and let's say this is 100 units, okay, and you've now taken miser of 10 units, Okay, and you say this meister is going to be on this stuff. Well, maybe you took on the old and the new. No, because those 10 units are going to be, if they're equally divided, 4 units of old and 6 units of new. And the 4 units of old are going to go on the old stuff and the 6 units of new are going to go on the new stuff. Right? Is that clear? Forget percent. You're 100 units here. 40 old and 60 new. You'll take 10 units and you'll call it true as a maestress and if that has an equal distribution, then the four units of old will work for the 40 units of old, and the six units of new will work for the 60 units of new. There's no issue of bitzel. So or, 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 not uh, bitzel, but the question is, can we assume equal distribution? Right. So, no. Not, well, no. That, that's a good question, but let's bracket that for a moment and ignore bitzel. We're going to now focus on whether there's equal distribution. Okay, so just making an assumption. That there's no... Yeah, we won't, let's not talk about bitzel just now. Okay, okay so Abai says like this. Benimsa, Whatever you take from Meister will be equal distribution, and the old part will work for the old part, and the new for the new one. It will be the right percentage, because it will be equally distributed. Now, of course, you could still say it will be a problem, because some will be pre-Shemitah and post-Shemitah. I mean, some will be Shemitah stuff and not Shemitah stuff, you know, or some will be Meister Shani and some will be Meister Ani, and you won't exactly know how to deal with it. So this doesn't really solve everything, but this does solve the problem of old and new, but not of exactly if the next, next year had different halachas than the new year, than the previous year. Anyway, let's take a look. 
Milo Tanya, we turn the Bryce, Reb Yosef ben Kifar, Omer Mishim Shimon Shizuri, Reb Yosef ben Kifar, said the name of Reb Shimon Shizuri, Pula Mitzri, the Egyptian, uh, what is it, Lego, Fava Bean, thank you, Shizoro Lizera. Now, that can be planted as a vegetable, and it can be planted for the seed. If it's planted for the sort of, for the actual, you know, uh, vegetable part of it, it goes by when it's picked. If it's planted for the seed part, then we learn that seeds and legumes go by when they take root. So you've planted this for the, to use the seeds. So it's going to go by when it takes root. Okay? So, Miktsasu Hishri Shlitznei Rosh Hashanah. Some of it took root before Rosh Hashanah. Miktsasu Hishri Shlitznei Rosh Hashanah. And some took root after Rosh Hashanah. And again, because it's for seeds, it goes by when it takes root. You can't take Tumas and Maestros from the stuff that took root before on the stuff that took root after or vice versa. Because you can't take from old stuff to new or new to old. So, so you're stuck. No, here's the solution. What are you going to do? Sober Gornolitocho, you put the pile of your thresh house in the middle, meaning you mix everything up together, you bring it all together. So, and it works out perfectly. So, big deal. You're telling me we got to go by Hashrasha because it'll be so impossible to go by, saying, by, by having a mix of stuff, old stuff and new stuff. There's a solution, old stuff and new stuff. You just mix it all together and sell them Israel. Right. So, again, I do want to point out that that's if your only problem is old and new. If the next year is a different type of year, one year is Meister Ani and one is Meister Shani, or one year is not Shemitah, the next year is Shemitah, not so simple. But anyway, this is the point. That should, there should be a solution that should not push us to come up with a new idea of taking root. Deal with it, okay? It's a mixture. Fine. So, Amalei, so Rabbi said back to Abaye, the Pshimen Shizuri Gamarta? You're asking me from Pshimen Shizuri? holds that things mix that you can have not just liquids but you can actually have grains and solids that mix and that it's going to be a completely uh, equal distribution the rabbis don't agree who says you're going to get an equal distribution you know sure there's 40 and 60 units but any 10 units you take could be a random different distribution so you can this trick will not work and since this trick doesn't work we can't go by when you pick, because that'll be a whole mixture. We're going to go where, by when it takes root. Okay. Amar Rav Yosef Bar Nachmeni, Amar Shmuel, Halacha, Rav Yosef Ben Akiva, Ben Shazuri. We actually rule that way. We rule that it goes by, that we rule that you can do this trick of mixing it all together, and that you can assume an equal distribution. Okay? So, it, it is used. And then it once again raises the question, so why don't we go, so why did we have to go by when it took root, if you can do this trick, and that's how we pass from the Halacha. But let's just read one more sentence uh, because it's not the end of the discussion. So the Gemara says, hachi. So that statement that we go like Reb Shimon ben Shizuri of Yesh Bila and mixing the stuff together was in the name of Shmuel. So the Gemara says, did Shmuel really say that? The Amar Shmuel, Shmuel says, L'kol ein Bila chutz v'shemen. Nothing can be concerned, considered to have equally mixed with the exception of wine and oil, not together. Okay, wine with wine and oil with oil. Okay, meaning only liquids equally mix. Other things don't equally mix. Okay, so how can you claim that he says we go like Lipsim and Shizuri that says it does equally mix? Shmuel explicitly says that it doesn't. So, what? No, but it was said in the name of Shmuel. Well, what's Ishtamite? Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, Ishtamite No, so you forgot a third statement of Shmuel. Like, HaKazav HaShlishi HaMachriya Beinayim. 
But Hadamar Shmuel, Shmuel also says, Hakoholich Achagmar Pri. It all goes by the end of the, by when the fruit finishes developing. What does that mean? It means that Shmuel actually holds, and the Gemara will spell this out tomorrow, I'll give you the quick version. Shmuel actually holds Ain Bila. Things do not equally mix. That's like what he said, except liquids. So how does he say, according to Rabshim and Shizuri, if stuff took root before Rosh Hashanah and took root after Rosh Hashanah, you mix it all together and you can take Tumas and Maestras? Because he doesn't hold that that works so that it mixed. You know why he holds that works? Because he basically says, it doesn't go by when it took root. It goes by when it finished growing. So if you have stuff that took root before Rosh Hashanah and stuff that took root after Rosh Hashanah, sure you can take it all together because it all is next year. It doesn't go by when it took root. It goes by when it finished growing. So it's all next year's fruit. It's not a mixture of fruit. So it's really a very... Uh, tricky, you know, a very uh, confusing thing to say. We rule like Rechimin Chizuri. What he's really saying is, I totally don't rule that you could mix old fruit with new fruit. What I say is, in this case, I consider it all new fruit because I don't go by when it took root. I go by when it finished and it all finished the following year. Okay, so it's a very, pretty confusing way of articulating that position. The Gemara will, if, you, if you're a little confused already, we'll go back tomorrow and we will spell it all out. New fruit with new fruit. Right. <laughs> or old, I mean, I should say old fruit with old fruit. Right. No, Whatever you're mixing. Exactly. We will like Rapshim Ben Shazuri because I think in his case it's not a mixture. But you're not ruling like Rapshim Ben Shazuri. All right.